and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. This is the first of three podcasts that we will be recording at the 2019 AGA PDT in New Orleans. So today's podcast is with Billy Moorhead, one of our past national presidents, and we'll be speaking about education and our modern workforce. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. So we're recording here from the AGA PDT in New Orleans, and I'm happy to have with us a Billy Moorhead. Hello, Billy. Hi. How's it going, Paul? Very Thank- good. Yeah, so thanks, Billy, for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background. We're going to be talking about education and, and workforce, but uh, give us a little bit of your background. Well, great. I've look. I've been in state government for uh, was in state government for 27 years and active in AGA most of that time and. Uh, retired there in 2011 from a university position and ended up teaching and have been a full-time professor since 2011 uh, and thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, But all of my background, uh, like I said, has been in state government, uh, financial management. Uh, 17 of those years I was a chief financial officer at either one of two different state agencies. Uh, and even served as an auditor early in that career. So good variety background at state level, and I enjoy trying to share that information to students these days. Right, and uh, no small feat, you were also our national president, correct? Uh, Ten years ago, uh, uh, 2009, uh, I came in as president uh, here in New Orleans, and here we're back. In 2010, I went out in Orlando, so it's very fascinating. Uh, We have the largest PDT uh, attendance-wise at this this particular event here uh, in New Orleans uh, in 2019. 2010 was the previous one, and 2009 was the third one. Hmm. Uh, So uh, each of those over 2,000, so great. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, you're doing some panels here as well. What kind of things are you going to cover? Uh, this particular uh, PDT, I'm actually speaking at two different uh, sessions. Uh, one, we're going to talk about positive uh, work environment and, and mm-hmm. ways to, uh, from a leadership role of, of getting your employees on board and creating the right environment as, as a leader. Uh, the other one, we're actually talking about uh, a term that we've created, upskilling and retooling or reskilling the workforce. Uh, technology is really impacting accounting and auditing and entire financial management whether you're budgeting or whatever role procurement anything that you're involved in and uh, we in the accounting profession we, we've got to get with it uh, whatever if you're uh, like I said the audit side there's tools available uh, to assist you in uh, being a better uh, auditor and helping uh, have a better performance of, of the audit right. uh, and efficiency and effectiveness and same thing on the financial management side there are tools in place uh, for instance, robotic processing administ- uh, uh, automation right. uh, that will allow, uh, once uh, bots and things are written, will allow uh, processes to flow faster and, and, and no longer involve the human element in some of those processes. Uh, and, and so those are a type of exciting things that we're looking at there. Uh, we're making a lot of changes in higher education, and that's the, ac- the aspect that I'm going to bring into those panels uh, in order to facilitate hiring. Uh, the the flow of personnel or potential employees uh, for agencies to hire needs to be available and obviously they want those individuals the students if you will and graduates to be trained with the right skills right. so it's a, it's a it's a it's a steady flow it's a it's a process in and of itself it's a a, a, a value chain if you will uh, and then we're trying to make it all work together 
Okay. Well, absolutely. So, and you know, I'm going to kind of maybe jump around a little bit on my topics. That's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about today is, uh, you know, what, what should today's students be, you know, what kind of classes should they be taking? What should they be majoring in if they are interested in accounting as a profession in the government, in a government capacity? Um, you know, maybe let's, let's start with that, then we can come back to some more fundamental things. But, you know, what do you see as some of the skill sets that these folks coming in the door really should be, uh, you know, should be honing what, what kind of skills do these folks need well I, I was part of a research little thing project that we did two three years ago for AGA and were published in the journal uh, with uh, a couple other professors and some of the things that we found out that employers wanted uh, was that that were sort of lacking in some of the students and the new hires if you will uh, were great communication, oral and written communication skills, sure. which is really a soft skill compared. It's not necessarily the content of an accounting class, right? Um, but uh, and so therefore we've we've I have and, and we've recommended to other academics that we begin to improve the process of connecting those both oral and written communication within within those accounting classes. Uh, obviously, the content of accounting is important, the debits and credits, if you will. Right. But beyond that, uh, students, more importantly, these days need to know how to apply everything that they're learning. Uh, the And then when you throw in the element of the impact of technology uh, from an audit perspective and from the, the, the management, financial management side, the controlling side, the accounting side, if you will, uh, students, there's just a, a breadth of things that they have to know and be involved in. Uh, I encourage my students, our program allows 18 electives. I encourage them to fill them with technology, uh, uh, even analytics. We have forensic classes, that were accounting classes that we teach that are electives. Um, and we encourage them to just expand their skill sets. Um, I also tell students up front that there are going to be many times that they're going to be hired as the staff level accountant uh, and our staff auditor, and they may be asked to do things that all of a sudden they think are beneath them. You know, they may be asked by a, a superior, a partner, or whatever in a firm, or uh, a director in an agency, or a supervisor to prepare a PowerPoint for them. They're heading to a training, a presentation, and they need a PowerPoint. And you think, you know, why can't they pre prepare their own? Well, one, they may not know how, but two, more importantly, they may be very busy and, and can't do it. And you've got the, the they can, that supervisor can give that student um, the uh, content. They can put together very quickly because they've been preparing numerous PowerPoints and classes and, and can get it done. And I said, if that, if that supervisor likes that PowerPoint and did everything you wanted, chances are you'll be asked to do it again, but they will remember that you've done for them uh, some valuable work and therefore, they'll they'll continue to drag you through your their as they move up. That supervisor moves up. They will pull the student as well through it. Right. Um, well, so well, that's not that's like, I mean this going back to the soft skills and the communication skills. I mean honestly, in any career, that's what's going to get you ahead. Being able to communicate clearly and effectively, you know, with your superiors, with your peers, whoever your auditee, right? So that really is a huge skill that should not be overlooked. At, you know, beyond the accounting skills, right? Right, absolutely. In any discipline, uh, the we have a tendency, uh, and sometimes in accounting, we focus so much on the technical, the debits, the credits, right. the why this transaction needs to be here, why is something a revenue, dealing with the, the standards, whether it be federal, state, local standards, or, or private sector accounting standards. Uh, we focus so much on those that sometimes we, we may 
let slide the focus on soft skills. It's not that they're not included. They're in, in all of my classes, uh, and I have a great deal of rubric around the requirements of, of a presentation, et cetera, and the, the dress code, if you will, and the quality of a presentation, uh, both the written <clears throat> the presentation itself, uh, the PowerPoints that may to be developed, uh, but uh, it's it, it's a whole package, and it's trying to get students to understand that it, it's everything together. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a, you may have a certain uh, uh, element in your present uh, your presentation, your interview, or whatever that draws you out and makes you stand out just a little bit, but uh, it's one whole package, and they have to put it together. Right, so then how, I mean, what's the scenario in one of your classes? How would you kind of bring those skill sets out? I mean, kind of have folks do a research project and report out as if they were doing an audit meeting or something? Or what's an example? There are a variety of projects where you can do is like a case project along the along that line. Okay. Uh, just have a class that's just finishing up uh, where students <clears throat> are actually, I encourage them to use multi, multimedia as part of their presentations. Yeah. This is a graduate class, so I usually expect more out of them. And one uh, group uh, added video content, mm-hmm. uh, and because it's dealing with they were dealing with technology topic in accounting, they used a variety of technologies to prepare their presentation, right. which showed that they were aware of uh, of what was going on. We had a presentation, another one recently dealing with block chain and uh, actually that was uh, bitcoin uh, trading they actually went into a live bitcoin session uh, active trading and we were using um the class was an online class so we were even and they were remotely putting the uh display of an active bitcoin uh, uh session in a digital class so it was really fascinating that we're making these things work and and that's really where we are as academics and we're tech we're the entire uh, higher education is today if we're going to advance our students abilities and help prepare the accountants and auditors and financial managers of the future uh, the the technologies have moved ahead we've got to catch up if we're not there and and allow students to be exposed to these technologies uh in the here and now right well I, i would guess i mean obviously the fundamentals of accounting haven't changed much in the last X hundred years, right? But so that still needs to be a core part of the curriculum, right? But now it's the tools of today to better, you know, I don't know, execute those 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 functions or to audit those functions. That's where we're starting to see some things, that, some new things on the plate for curriculum, right? Absolutely. What I took in accounting classes in the 1980s. Uh, the 90% of that is done by a computer today. Uh, And therefore, that other 10% was how to use and apply the output of the financials, how to uh, help a client, if you will, or a state agency use the data that that they extracted from a financial system. We put so much effort uh, 30 years ago into how to input the data. Now we have data, we have more data than we can know what to do with. And uh, the, um, as, as one person uh, heard say, we have tons of data. This was a, a Van Daniker a long time, uh, several years ago. We have tons of data. We have little information. And mm-hmm. so the challenge is how do we take these volumes of data and make it into quality information that allows us to plan, interpret, uh, follow strategic planning, execute the strategic planning of our agency or our entity, uh, 
uh, and how can we make that user-friendly user for the public? Mm -hmm. um, I was in a session today. Someone was talking about a 300-page financial statement that nobody reads. And, and, and that's one thing that AGA has championed for a long time is getting even to citizen-centric reporting, uh, getting reducing information into a four-page financial report out of right. 300 pages, something that somebody may pick up. Uh, I'm guilty myself. I, I could go on and on about uh, a process, a class, or a subject. Uh, and so sometimes it's difficult for me to maybe reduce something down to a succinct 25-word or less statement that right. is, is the point that somebody wanted to listen to, that elevator speech, if you will. And um, But again, we're trying to make all of our students aware that those things are important. Right. Again, that's a soft skill, if you will. But it connects the, the very fundamental rudimentary accounting component in there, uh, and they, they all work together. So are you seeing uh, colleges, universities actually then having classes that are specifically about more modern tools used in the accounting profession and just getting folks to learn how to use those or types of tools? So like you said, data analytics tools or advanced auditing tools, things like that? Absolutely. Uh, it's something I would sometimes call vaguely specific. Uh, we may have a broad topic of a class, that a seminar-type class that allows you to change uh, from one semester to the next even, or one year to the next, if technologies change, rather than calling it an Excel class or uh, a, a certain type of a software class, right. it's it's analytical software uh, in auditing. And therefore, the the name is not specific, but the, it, it allows you, as, as software is changing every three weeks, new month, another month, another software comes out, that you can add those elements and components in there. And the students get the the focus of, of what's occurring. Uh, we work uh, where I am at, in, in Mississippi, at Mississippi College, we work locally with, or regionally with our uh, accounting firms in that area particularly and finding out what they want their new hires to have, our graduates mm -hmm. to hire, what kind of softwares uh, do they want to them to have been exposed to. Right. And many of them have, uh, many of the firms have indicated that they are not specifically interested in us training in the details, overloading on details of specific software, right. because all the firms are using different software. Yeah. And therefore, we can't be everything to everybody. But if we train the, the elements, how to deal with data, how to correct data, how to interpret data, how to analyze data, uh, that those functions would transition into multiple types of software. Right. And so it's a partnership uh, constantly in, in education between the faculty member, the profession that you're working with, in our case, the financial management profession, what the, the primary hiring market wants, uh, and connecting that to the student. Uh, so it's a, it's a great, uh, a, a, again, lack of any other word, a partnership in making that work. Right. So. Again, beyond the traditional, you know, fundamental accounting classes, 101, every, you know, 102, everybody's got to take, um, you know, what are some things you would encourage folks in school now to consider as other electives or areas of study outside of accounting? So information systems or, you know, analytical skills, scientific skills. I mean, what other things would be good for, for folks? There are some uh, areas in uh, uh, law enforcement, I mean, if you will, criminal kind of background uh, uh, courses that uh, you may want to consider. 
Uh, there are computer science classes, which are sometimes are offered in the School of Business. Many times they're offered in the mathematical side because it's it's heavy quantitative. Uh, there are classes that you may want to deal with algorithms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of, uh, of uh, writing of algorithms in the software that helps cert- do helps handle search engines and as as well. Uh, much of the software today, uh, here in 2019 and, and, and coming into 2020, already has the algorithms written in. So right. it's a matter, it's very user friendly. So uh, I think you will see less and less need from the accounting perspective to have an understanding of the scientific background of the yeah, software, uh, right? All the coding because it, there's. Yes, that's that's a great market, and that's a that that pays very well if you right. choose to do that. Um, the uh, but that's done again by a lot of folks behind the scenes. You will f- you will add um, forensics accounting. Forensic accounting is, is something that the students may want to take. Uh, you may want to take advanced Excel uh, because Excel is a mighty powerful tool. Uh, Microsoft is. Uh, competing uh, with, uh, uh, for instance, Tableau is a very yeah. uh, popular uh, presentation software that does a lot of analytics for you and then presents it in a very nice way for the audience. Right. Well, Microsoft has come out with Power BI, Power which BI. is a, which yeah. is a competing tool, and we sort of all know what happens if you go back to Lotus One Two Three. Very few people use Lotus. They came out with Excel, and <clears throat> everybody moved that direction. Uh, the uh, recently, I was at a meeting with both. Uh, Tableau and Power BI, Tableau is actually going a different direction, which may actually keep them alive for a while. But mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not predicting either one of those. But they're both amazing tools, and students need to spend the time uh, and uh, to learn how to use those and how to present and and have the knowledge of what they are, the elements that they're talking about, um, and then those of us faculty as well, we have to spend our time, we're spending hours investing in learning these softwares mm-hmm. uh, ourselves because uh, we need to be able to be informed and teach them. Um, and as I've gathered and sort of anecdotally talked to uh, some uh, potential employers, if you will, here at the PDT, the you know some are saying we don't even understand the software and I said I know we're we're in this window I think of probably the next three to five years uh, that there's going to be so much transition uh, in the workforce those of us that are over 50 uh, that are struggling with learning software uh, but yet we need the tools we're going to be working in it and the demand we're being pulled for information uh, by our stakeholders whether it be Congress or state legislators or city councils uh, and our citizens want information we have the technology or the technology exists to provide them right now we're in this gap of trying to figure out how to use it all and and how to sort it out and get what exactly what they want and so it's it's a real challenge well it sounds i mean what i've found too is uh you know i'm amazed by you know a lot of younger folks they'll just go do a youtube they'll go look at a youtube video and figure out how to use tableau in a couple days or what or less 10 you minutes know, 10 yeah. minutes whatever it may be i mean it, and it, almost as an alternative to what well, i want to sit in class for a semester or whatever and figure this out i just go to youtube figure it out move on to the next thing right i've had students ask questions in the middle of class why do i need to sit here in this lecture when i can ask google the question and get the answer in yeah. 18 seconds right. and or not 18 seconds yeah 0.8 seconds sure. 1.8 seconds and the 
You know, and I said, that's probably true. You can probably get that answer. But do you know how the answer was derived? And do you know what to do with the answer? And so you really need to back up and say the class, the function of today's classrooms in in uh, in a college need to teach you what are why are we doing it and how we apply it uh, because yes I, I mean, a computer does everything that I did 30 years ago uh, and so uh, we spend a lot of time I do not necessarily in the textbook I mean I use the structure of the textbook but we spend a lot of time this is how we really do it in the profession the textbook is the theory now let's spend some time in reality and and make it work and and use if you will some of those cases uh, to help support the argument this is why we're doing it and you never have to look very far uh, to find active recent cases that uh, the students can use. I mean, in Mississippi, we I spent a lot of time gathering those cases because they're in the news and likely they've heard about it. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's a matter of just connecting it and making it come alive uh, with for the student. You know, I think it might be similar. I mean, when I came out of school, uh, you know, I went to work for an audit, you know, actually for an OIG, government mm-hmm. OIG, and you know, I wasn't even an accounting major. I was just, you know, I was international affairs. I did some science courses, but they just wanted somebody who's good at analysis, problem solving, you know, just understanding something, analyzing it, figuring out what's wrong, figuring out the solution. And I think that's probably still true today. I mean, we want those type of people, you know, people that are curious and want to try to fix, you know, learn things, fix problems. And now you have a more advanced tool set to help you do that. But you got to understand what's the question I'm even trying to answer, right? And then maybe these these technologies will make it a little easier. Sure, and that research that I referred to that we did, two or three professors and I worked on uh, three years ago, four years ago. One of the things that was absent uh, beyond communication skills was critical thinking skills. Right. And the and so part of the challenge is if you throw out a, a an issue, I wouldn't necessarily a problem, but a, a something that's a concern or an issue, you students should be able to look at it and figure out. A, B, and C, what would I do to start figuring out? I had to pull the onion back. How do I get to what the root of the problem is? And then how do I fix it? Mm-hmm. And and that is a real challenge because students, number one thing is, well, let me just ask Google again right. what Google says how to fix it. Well, that may be okay. And, and, and I try to inform them. Uh, like Wikipedia, I, I don't allow Wikipedia to be used as an official citation in any of my documents because everybody can, it's an open source thing, people can change it. And so I, I tell students, sure, use Wikipedia to find a, a thought, ask a question, drill down to the original sources, trail it all the way back and find out what's 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 useful you need to, uh, and what's appropriate. And and that just makes sense even in our today's political world. I mean, people are taking everything off of Facebook and think it's 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 valid information. And and so many times it's just somebody's opinion about something. And and people have photoshopped images and whatever. You need the real stuff. So drill down, get the real things, think critically, and then put it back together. Assemble a, a, a project. Uh, and, and that solution. Find the solution by assembling the the pieces, components of it together. Uh, in the real world, uh, or the profession, 
uh, ask students usually when they start whining about something is they may do you want to be paid 10 or 15 dollars an hour or do you want to be paid 300 dollars an hour and they most of them sure i want 300 dollars an hour okay get over the fact that we got to get out of the details here 300 dollars an hour is when you're paying or will be paid 300 dollars an hour when you're showing somebody how to use the data and provide that use within their organization to achieve that client's objectives. Uh, anybody can key in data with a little bit of training. Right. Anybody can key in information. Anybody can ask Google. They're not paying you to ask Google. They're paying you to how to put the, the product together, uh, deliver the service, and make it better for their clients so that that organization can achieve more efficient, effective uh, uh, processes and more revenue. Right. Yeah, and the robots and the AI are going to take care of the more menial tasks anyway, right? I mean, you have to have these skills now. Absolutely. Higher. You know, there's a lot of concern out there. Uh, and I've even heard this today in our first day of this training. Uh, the uh, Not the, the concern. That some have concern that they're going to lose jobs uh, because of AI and robots, et cetera. I think, yes, there are tasks that will be taken away. We no longer need to do those. The But... In one panel today, all three of the panelists said they do not see their future having fewer employees. They see not necessarily more, but not surely not fewer, because we will all be refocusing our attentions finally on catching up on some of those policy, planning, st yeah. strategy, things that we are not able to do because we're stuck in the, in the mired in the details of the menial tasks. Right. And I think we're ultimately looking at, perhaps in the next 10 years, five to 10 years, a much more efficient, effective government, much better at delivering our products and our services to our customers and our stakeholders, and maybe finally catching up where things are, are going to be much more meaningful for our citizens. However, who knows, there, there will be more issues probably arising that we have to continue to deal with as well. Of course. As, yeah. As we get smarter, you know, other things get more complex too. Well, because folks use a technology that's designed to do something very good for society there are those out there that would take it and maliciously uh, adapt it and so all of a sudden we're having to create the then with the cyber security issues and that would be another area yeah. uh, of study that we talked about if you're looking at have an opportunity for electives get into the cyber security issues uh, uh homeland securities issues so you're looking at those kind of degrees popping up uh, as well and we're uh, we've even added a homeland security degree where we're trying to add business elements to that degree so that they can get the business content that they need to under that those individuals need to understand so it's, it's just going to be a sea of evolution and um, I've even seen statistics saying that their jobs the top 10 jobs that are going to be out there in the next 10 next four years don't even exist today and we're not even teaching students to enter those jobs uh, and the because of again technology is changing so students need to be adaptable as does the institutions of higher learning and the employers so do you think the way that you know government that governments hire accountants or people in the financial audit world should that start changing a little bit maybe you know the requirements are kind of based on old world thinking you know you have to have a CPA you have to be a you know you or are, are, are we looking for a mix of skill sets now? We want, yeah, we want a couple of core accountants, but we also need some real smart analytical people to do these kind of, you know, AI things. I would say yes, yes, and yes. Okay. Uh, the, 
the recruiting process in government, uh, particularly in the area of financial management, the, the whole broad area of financial management, uh, whether it's technology, whether it's accounting, auditing, budgeting, procurement, whatever, the we have got to streamline recruiting. Uh, if we want the top talent in government, we've got to make that process better, faster. Uh, a student can go interview uh, with a uh, big four accounting firm or even the smaller accounting firms and can come out with a job offer or may come out with, get an offer within the next 48 hours. Uh, in government, they have to go through and wait for the job to be posted or on a website or in some format uh, so that we are meeting all the little ducks in a row that everybody has a chance to be informed, and I, and I understand and appreciate that. The, but we also go from there, and then we, uh, so we spend a week that there's, the job is posted open. They go through a hiring, uh, posting process, student applies, go through a two or three week period of students who are trying to be in, narrowed down to be interviewed. They interviewed, and it may be three months or six months, I've heard six months later before somebody's even offered a job or receives any feedback that uh, he or she was is, was interested. And by then, they've moved on. I mean, you can't expect somebody to live for six months without income. <clears throat> and and that has been an extreme frustration uh, with students, at least that I've worked with individually. Uh, I personally have gone to some of the websites uh, of, of governmental entities just to try to navigate them. And, and I mean, I'm an educated highly educated person and worked in government for 20 something years and still can't get through some of the websites very easily that process has improved i do know that that opm at the federal level has has worked to make some uh, uh, processes uh, faster and more efficient uh, i know some agencies have moved to direct hire processes where they can just deal directly and bypass say the usa jobs i know state agencies that have done that one of the things and it's been encouraging to hear here at the conference uh the is how many agencies are starting to add internships yeah. and i think that's that's a critical factor if that helps the hiring process and that internship process is streamlined a little bit um the if they can get students in as interns it's really a win-win uh, for, for both the student and the agency mm -hmm. uh because it's a trial period. There's only a commitment for whatever, maybe a matter of semester or a year, whatever the internship length is. And you get a flavor of whether or not that student is worth hiring. The student gets a flavor of whether or not this is a job I'm interested in. Uh, I've heard many situations where students who've never were drawn to government as a career are all of a sudden their eyes are open wow we didn't realize that government did all of these things oh, or had access right. to this and, and that and the other um even uh, uh dr gene uh, didero today from uh, the inspector general of the united states was talking about how many scientists they needed not just the accounts about the varied of a career and the disciplines yeah. the multiple disciplines uh, when you're looking at does this antibiotic that HHS is funding treat and cure this back and kill this bacteria well accountants don't know the answer to that question you need a you need a medical science or a biological scientist to be able to come in and work with that accountant as a team right. to determine we're spending millions or billions of dollars on this development of this antibody does it work 
well, it takes a team, um, and so it's 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 yes, yes, and yes. Uh, right. We've we've got to be prepared. We've got to be flexible. We need to work together as teams. We need to. If if I don't understand the science, and that's my project, I need to learn a little bit about it. Uh, and yes, so that I can communicate with my scientists and and the, that scientists with me as well. Uh, and I think that's exciting. Uh, it scares some people to death, but I think the excitement and opportunities is there. And if you wanted to focus in, in government as a profession, I, I think the sky is the limit uh, of the opportunities that, that you, as an individual young student, can have. Okay. Well, so to wrap it up a little bit here, um, again, so if you want to get into accounting, financial management, and the government, you're saying here... We still got the traditional accountants, but you need to take some technology courses. You need to understand the technologies, the tools that are coming up, right? Or if you want to be more on the data science side or analytical skills, that's very high demand as well in government accounting world. Absolutely. And uh, healthcare, I mean, if there, I've had students come in uh, who perhaps are switching careers. Maybe they had a uh, education, early education that they g- obtained in some area of healthcare. Uh, we have a, f- a firm in Mississippi who specializes in hospital audits. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a pair the two together, there are many things that you can do. Yeah. Uh, you, if you're an outdoors person, mm-hmm. uh, think of a, you know the U.S. Department of Interior. I mean, they have all the national parks. Uh, you can marry passions together and create a much better an auditor someone who's passionate about their job and um and it's an exciting uh part to be as the faculty member to help try to connect the students uh, there's a shortage of accounting faculty uh, there's a shortage a, a lack of interest in teaching governmental accounting. Uh, we've sort of mentioned that a little bit. Uh, there's very little teaching of federal government accounting. Uh, to my knowledge, there's no federal government accounting question on the CPA exam. I think I, I, think uh, I had one on there. Uh, oh, maybe one. <laughs> and, and it may be who is, what is FaceHab, you know, right, you know whatever. Right. Uh, and, uh, but there's no accounting question, you know, what's uh, the encumbrance and in, 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 or an obligation in the federal accounting. And you know, from a from an academic standpoint, most of us only teach. If we teach government accounting, we only teach state and local government uh, accounting because there's like ninety thousand state and local government entities. There's one federal government. Uh, obviously, there's hundreds of thousands of, of financial management people in federal government, um, and the but in a, in a Mississippi, there are very few. There be it would not be prudent for me to even teach a federal accounting class there because probably no one would take it. Right. But if you were in a Washington or Atlanta or Dallas or somewhere where there's large concentrations of accounting uh, federal accounting entities, you know you may have that as 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 an option. Um, so we all of us, from the employer to the student to the academy as a whole. We all have to be flexible and nimble. We have to work together and and express needs from an employment standpoint. From an academic standpoint, we need to you know meet those, rise up to meet those needs. We need to share those opportunities with students uh, and, and, and make a wonderful, well-connected uh, uh, trilogy between the student, the employer, in this case, government, and us in the academy. Right, and I think successful folks all have something in common is that, you know, learning doesn't stop at school. It's a, you're a lifelong learner, right? Absolutely. That's why you come to AGA, PDT every year, and keep learning. You don't, you don't, don't stop. So 
Well, great. Well, with that, let's wrap it up, Billy. This has been great. I know we want to get out and have some fun. It's been a long day. and Get out in New Orleans and check it out. So I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening. Join us at agacgfm.org. You can see all our podcasts. And as I mentioned, this is the first of three, so we'll have John Linsky, our current president, on after this. And then the third one will be with our young professionals. So I hope you all will tune in for those. And until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.